Welcome to Adventures with My 40s. I'm Courtney Novak, a 41-year-old woman trying to figure out how to thrive during this decade of life. You can find the show notes at CourtneyHenningNovak.com. And here's the show. Hello, adventurers! This is episode 8, and I'm recording this on August 19, 2020, the year we'll never forget. And, oh, my printer just said hello there. And let's just turn it off in case it's feeling conversational right now. It's such a... Nathan bought me this printer as, like, a gift, and he thought that it was because it's wireless, except I have a Mac, and it's the wireless, it's just almost never worked with my Mac. So instead, and then we got rid of our old printer, which had, which wasn't wireless, but had a photocopier and scanner and printed in color, and which was great because I have, you know, like I'm a little artsy. And so now I have a just black and white wireless printer that likes to just beep at random times and won't actually be wireless for me. But other than that, it was a great gift. Okay. <laughs> my husband never listens to my podcast. He says it's um, kind of, he feels like it would be like eavesdropping, which I respect. Um, so I can complain about his, uh, the shitty printer he bought if I want to. And I could also say it to his face. That's kind of our relationship. And he would be like, it's not shitty. The old one was shitty. It like had to have all those ink jets. I'm like, yes, because all those cartridges made beautiful, lovely colors. Okay. This is not an episode about my printer or lack thereof. It's going to be an episode about intuition. Um, but first, let's talk about distance learning. We just finished week one. It's Wednesday, but we only had a three-day week because, and we, we were told about this like literally a week ago. Oh, by the way, no school Thursday, Friday. But I knew earlier, thank God, one of my good friends is like on the PTA so she can give me the heads up. I'm actually, so they were doing, they're doing training tomorrow and Friday to teach them like the program that they're supposed to be using to teach the kids. Why you wouldn't do the training before school starts? I, I don't know. Um, I think it's been okay. Um, it's been better than I thought it would be. There's more instruction and learning. It was sort, it was optional in the spring and our teacher did the Google meter fee day, but he wasn't like required to so it was a lot more like reading a book and show and tell and the you know all the, the kids weren't used to it so it, it definitely feels like a better experience I mean we've only had three days but um Pippa was engaged and happy with it and she, she gets frustrated I mean but I think she gets frustrated and bored at a regular day of school so um I'm just choosing to go into this thinking hoping for the best and we have the best case scenario since we have her first grade teacher as our second grade teacher. So I already have a relationship with him. She has a relationship with him. Um, I know most of the kids in the class and a lot of the parents. So it's really the best case scenario for us. And I'm very happy I bought all of those second grade workbooks off Amazon because on Tuesday, th there's a lot of time for independent learning. And the teacher gave them like a couple of like you could write about this or you could write, you know, you could write about what it means an experience you had when you had to be quiet. And Pippa wrote about that, but then she sort of ran out of things to say. And she really loves workbooks. So I got the workbook and we just had a very easy, happy half hour together. So the workbooks definitely work for us. Sure. It, it is so individual, this experience. Everyone's got to do really what works for them. 
So that's one week in the books, and how many weeks it will be, God only knows, but from the news and seeing about, you know, I hate how the media just loves the word outbreak. There's outbreaks at this school, outbreaks at that school, but then they never say how many infections there are because, like, you can have two people and that shuts down the whole school and then the media can call it an outbreak. It's just I don't have a lot of faith in the media these days. I'm not, so I'm not, like, I know there's people who talk about, um, what do they call it, the pandemic, who think this is all a conspiracy. I I'm not, like... I don't believe in that. I believe this is real. Like, I do. I, I, like, totally it's legit. But I do think the media, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And they um, love having us glued to, um, you know, scrolling the news feeds, watching the news programs, um, getting those high ratings. And they just have an incentive to use, like, more inflammatory words so that you know we click or so that we stay tuned and you know don't even leave for the commercial break so i um when i hear that there's an outbreak i'm skeptical you know when someone says there's an outbreak you know oh there goes my phone we're gonna it's my father we're gonna just hang up on him um when they say there's an outbreak and you know 99 out of 100 students got it i'm like yeah that sounds like an outbreak but if they say it's an outbreak and they don't give you any more information about it it's like I'm a little skeptical. I'm a little wary. So, you know, who knows how long this adventure will last. Um, my other adventure, in addition to distance learning, is the perimenopause adventure. When I recorded last week, I was on day 69, and the next day I got my period. So today is day six. Um, my period was maybe like 3% heavier than usual, but it really... For having gone 69 days without getting my period, I it I, I was expecting like just like a bloodbath, like you know, like a horror movie scene. Um it did actually start a little more vigorously um than my period usually does. It um like I woke up and I had stained my pajama shorts and the sheets and the mattress pad, but thank God for waterproof mattress pads. And I was never more thrilled to be doing like an extra unexpected load of laundry and you know busting out the shout stain remover spray i was just like yes it's here and I, I it felt like a renewal like um just like my body was like finally able to like hit the reboot button and get like hormones back into like a good happy place so that's good and i mean last night i even i went to bed i think i fell asleep at 9 30 or 9 45 and i just slept till 6 30. I'm usually like a wake up and pee once during the night, sometimes even twice, but I just slept all the way through and it's just like, I woke up and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. So um, still gonna do the hormone test. I'll wait a few days and then I'll just start, I have the uh, ovulation kit and I'll just wait and see when my body wants to ovulate. And then I will, um, I take the test seven days after and then it takes like three weeks to get the results. So I'm, at this point, at least six weeks away from, and then I have to schedule an appointment with my doctor. So, you know, realistically six, maybe more like eight weeks away from hearing, like this is where my hormones are and who knows. So that adventure continues. Um, so let's jump in. I wanted to talk about intuition today. Um, I thought I should start with like a definition of what is intuition. And so when I was thinking about this episode today, um, while Pippa was distance learning, 
I thought, well, maybe I should look up the, dic the dictionary definition. So I went to dictionary.com, and it says intuition. Direct perception it would help if I could pronounce words. You know, I have a podcast, but I can't always pronounce. Direct perception of truth, fact, etc., independent of any reasoning process. Immediate apprehension. Um, a keen and quick insight. So basically I read the that definition and, and I was just like, that's kind of what it means, but it's also kind of a really unhelpful definition. Um, my intuition said that the definition of intuitions kind of completely suck. So I looked for some quotes online and found a Brene Brown quote. I love Brene Brown. And this quote is, intuition is not a single way of knowing. It's our ability to hold space for uncertainty and our willingness to trust the many ways we've developed knowledge and insight, including instinct, experience, faith, and reason. So I like that quote. That, that was helping me get a better idea of like what intuition is. And then Albert Einstein has this great quote. I believe in intuitions and inspirations. I sometimes feel that I am right. I do not know that I am. I love that. Um, feeling as opposed to knowing. Um, and as I was thinking about like, well, what does intuition mean for me? It's, it's like my inner voice. Um, of course, there's a lot of voices that I have. I think we all have a lot of inner voices. Um, it's not like, mine don't come with like different tones of voice, but the, I think like I get messages and thoughts. They're really more thoughts than voices, but it's fun to call them voices in my head. And some of them, and if you pay attention, if I pay attention, sometimes they're coming from more the head, and sometimes they're coming more from the heart, and sometimes they're coming more from the gut. Um, and I think my intuition are the thoughts that come more from the gut region. Um, it feels like like a like an ancient wisdom. Like so, I was saying it's like my inner voice, but um, there's a lot of inner voices, and I think some of them are more like societal, like the authority figures that that. I've internalized and they're like disapproving messages that if I'm not you know doing things the right way it's the voice that says like no 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 don't have that slice of chocolate cake you'll be fat like that's not my intuition it's an inner voice but it's not my intuition so inner voice doesn't quite get me to a definition that I like but um my intuition comes more from my gut sometimes it feels like like an ancient wisdom like something that I didn't even learn necessarily firsthand, but that some ancestor of mine learned way back and it's just like been passed down through DNA. Like it's just something that just feels like, like it's in the marrow of my bones. Or other times my intuition, intuition feels like my connection to the divine. Um, if you call it God or, um, you know, the divine beloved or, you know, the universe, it's, um, it just feels like it's something beyond me and um, and that if I'm willing to let go and trust it that it's there steering me um, towards the experiences that I need to be having not necessarily always positive experiences sometimes we have need to have negative experiences I mean postpartum depression was 
really one of the worst experiences of my life from like if you like describe like the symptoms and like you know the insomnia and the hospitalization but it was also one of the best experiences of my life because I learned so much from it so I'm glad that that happened to me um so you know I think sometimes the intuition is better than the mind um other times to me it feels it doesn't feel ancient it doesn't feel divine it just feels like me knowing something because I have experiences I have um things I've learned, you know, either at school or through life. I have my feelings. I have my instincts. It's just all of my resources. And just like a computer can process things really fast, that my body can process things faster than my head. Like, or my body can process and just know what is the thing to do um, faster than I can reason my way through it. So if I have to think about it and let me do the pros and cons, it's like that takes time. Whereas my gut just sort of like, takes all the information and goes like, and it's like, all right, you know, have the tuna melt for lunch. And if I had thought about it and looked at every menu option and waited over, I may have come to that same conclusion, but it would have just been a more belabored process. And so it's not so much an inner voice for me, but a deeper inner knowing, like soul knowledge. And like sometimes it just feels downright magical. I think everyone is born with intuition. And we never lose it, but it gets buried and trampled and obscured just by life, just by like growing up um, in the 20th and now 21st century. How weird does that sound, 21st century? I mean, I know we've been doing this for 20 years, but it still sounds kind of very like space odyssey, <laughs> like we should be on hoverboards. It's back to the future. But I think like, Western culture, contemporary, it's just, it, it tramples it. When I was a child, I knew what I needed and I knew what I wanted and I didn't need to like reason through it. I didn't need to read it through a book. I didn't need for other people to tell me. I just knew. Um, for example, I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer, um, and now a podcaster. Uh, sorry, as I shuffle my papers here. Um, I... I don't just memorize Brene Brown quotes and just, like rattle them off. I keep notes here, folks. So this is this is a very official operation here. But as a child, I you know I knew I was a storyteller. I didn't need anyone to tell me that. And I used to I mean be very young, like three or four years old. I would do what I called think, and I would go to my bedroom and I'd be alone and I would walk around and I would think of these very elaborate adventure stories and they started as fan fiction about the smurfs to be honest and my parents would be like what are you doing i'd say i'm thinking they're like what are you thinking about and i'd be like smurfs and they were like oh my god she's weird but i mean that's who i am and that's how a three-year-old who was meant to be a storyteller um worked on her passion and you know because I, I didn't know how to write i didn't have there weren't even laptop computers back then. I couldn't be like writing books at age three, but I was creating stories and internalizing and, you know, just like I already knew that's who I was. And then, you know, life happens and I became a good student and I was addicted to getting A's and the praise of my teachers. And, um, you know, of course my parents would say great job and I was addicted to that sort of praise and approval. Um, and I liked the certainty of like mapped out paths to success 
and I knew I loved writing and I kept I wrote short stories through elementary school I started a novel in sixth grade and I was you know in high school um, if I got bored I'd be like writing stories in the margins of my notebooks and um, I kept doing it in college and yet I was like I can't go be a writer that's like I might fail I might not make any money how could I possibly do that so I went to law school and I was a lawyer for many years and I'm glad I did because it's I met Nathan because of law school and I have my and, and we have he's he's my my soulmate like and I adore our kids so you know I would have had some someone I would have kids with someone else or maybe wouldn't have ever met someone that I wanted to marry because I hadn't met Nathan I don't know so you know I'm glad I went to law school but you know somewhere between three years old and knowing I'm a storyteller and then you know, 21 years old, I'm applying to law school, my intuition just got completely fucked up because I, I stopped trusting in myself and trusted in everyone else more than myself. Um, and I think that just, that doesn't come from one source. Excuse me as I take a swig of my caffeine-free Diet Coke. I was, it, there's been like some sort of like diet soda shortage and if you Google this, it's real. And there's definitely caffeine-free sh shortages. And when I was at Walgreens picking up a prescription and saw that they had the 12 packs of cans of caffeine-free Diet Coke, I almost lost my mind. And I was like, I have to buy three of those. And um, I don't want to tell you how much I've drunk since yesterday because it's an ungodly amount. And it's delightful. And there's a fucking pandemic, so I'm going to drink it. Um, you know? you got Everyone's got to have a vice. And if my vice is caffeine-free Diet Coke, I think I'm doing pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I think school, you lose your intuition because there's only like, you know, I went to traditional Catholic school and you, you there were certain things, you had to wear a uniform. You didn't even get to pick what you were going to wear to that, to school that day. Um, you, and I didn't like my uniform. I didn't feel cool in it. I didn't feel right. I mean, but you had to wear it and you are required to eat at certain times. So it's not when you're hungry. It's, well, it's lunchtime. You better eat your damn lunch or you're not eating lunch today. Um, you have to learn the things that your teacher decides to teach you. Not things you're curious about. Not things you're passionate about. What the teacher's teaching you. Um, and then there's, like, just think of commercials and marketing. There's so much about, um, I think marketing is is not always, but often based on insecurity. Basically, the message is, you don't know enough to handle XYZ. Like, like, think of a cleaning product. I mean, the idea is basically, like, vinegar is a perfectly good cleaning product for for most situations. And yet, we're, I'm definitely like, well, it doesn't seem as good as the 409. I better buy the 409, even though the vinegar is actually probably, like, safer to use with my kids. But I've been, I've seen so many commercials for cleaning products, I just assume it's the only way to get things clean. Um, you know, you're just told by, like, I used to buy magazines, you know, all those fashion magazines, because I didn't know how to dress myself. I had to look at the magazines when I'm perfectly capable of walking into a store and saying, mm, I like that shirt. Oh, I don't like that shirt. And just buying the thing that I actually like. And if there's nothing I like, I don't buy it. And then, you know, or going on Amazon and just being like, you know, yes, I want that type of shirt and I'm just going to buy it in four different colors because I'm lazy. Um, I just think there's so many ways that like society tramples on our intuition 
And it takes a lot of work to stay connected to our intuition. And, you know, you can talk, you can blame marketing. You can also blame the patriarchy. I mean, it's a very masculine society. And intuition, I think, is more of a feminine quality. I do think, I don't think men are not intuitive, but it's not a quality that men are encouraged to cultivate. And as a patriarchy, women are just supposed to be like, no, 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 let us tell you what to do. Go, go in the kitchen and make dinner. Go make some babies. You know, shut up about your intuition, you know, like, I, I just don't think intuition has been something that has been um, praised or extolled. It's not like a value, you know, you don't ever hear, you hear like, oh my gosh, she's so busy. She's so productive. She, you know, like busyness and productivity and, you know, oh, she never has any time to get enough sleep. She, she manages on five hours. Like productivity is praised. But no one's like, gosh, she's just so in touch with her intuition. Like, that's almost like we make fun of the, those people. Like, if you watch TV show and movies, there's the character with, like, you know, the long, flowy hair. And there's, like, natural grays. And she's got a lot of clinky bracelets. And she's wearing a flowy skirt. And everyone knows that she's batshit crazy. And she relies on her intuition and eats a lot of granola. And we, we, we make fun of that type of person when, like intuition is actually pretty badass. I kind of, after all of these like decades of being like, like almost like, it's almost like my connection to my intuition was severed. I don't think it was ever severed though, because I can think back and my intuition was, excuse me, as I just bounce around in my chair to get comfortable. I really love sitting cross-legged in chairs, but not cross-legged on the floor. I'm so weird. Um, I never lost touch fully with my intuition because I can think back to like being a miserable lawyer and I was miserable because I'm not meant to be a lawyer and my intuition was like that was my intuition like crying out to me like do something else like I mean I I basically had what I could only describe as a nervous breakdown one day and like was like snapping at my boss and being like this is bullshit I hate this job I'm just gonna quit right now and she's like why don't you go take a break so I ended up taking like a two-week break and um went and, and then started applying to new jobs when I was there. My intuition was like, just leave the law already. But my mind kept getting in the way and was like, I can't do that. What will other people think? I went to law school and I can't just go and try to be a writer. And my intuition was like, yes, you can. And But it took years to get there. Um, I really came, started to become in touch with my intuition and started thinking thinking about it as something vital and necessary uh, as I was recovering from postpartum depression. So back in 2013. So, you know, I have less than a decade trying to like get back in touch with my intuition. I've got ways to go. And I, I've, I've come leaps and strides. But um, I definitely could see myself becoming, like, having a deeper relationship. It's like, a, it's sort of, I think of it as like a muscle and you need to, like, use it. Um, I do think to some extent my postpartum depression experiences, they, they definitely were partially hormonal. Like my hormones are definitely, when they're crazy, my moods go crazy. I just, I just had that with the whole 69 day cycle and going back on Zoloft. Like there's something there for me definitely. But I also think that my depression and anxiety arose from my disconnect from my intuition because I think a lot of motherhood is about intuition and knowing what is best for your child because it's not one size fits all for babies they're all they babies are people 
and people are weird. People are gloriously, amazingly different, and babies are too. And yet experts want to be like, this is the only way to like sleep train your baby, and this is the only way to feed your baby. This is the only way to like make a secure attachment with your baby. And everyone like wants you to buy their book, buy their product. And I, I think like for me, postpartum depression was partially like my body's way of just like flipping out from the overwhelm of trying to get everyone's approval and you can't because some people are like you absolutely have to night train you know sleep train at like this many months and if you don't your child like will never be able to sleep well and other people are like you monster how dare you sleep train you you like if they're gonna like co-sleep with you until you're they're going to college that's fine so you know you can't make everyone happy and like like, I think that just, like, drove me into, like, like, helped whip me into a frenzy along with, like, hormones and, um, a deep part, an important part of my recovery was reclaiming my intuition. This started a lot with Pippa's naps. Um, I refer to it as the popular majority. The popular majority was my parents and Nathan and a, um, a doula my parents hired to help me with Pippa when I was recovering and and then and various other people um, some real some imagined you know I'm always just imagining these people sitting in silent judgment uh, I'm getting better at that but and they all thought Pippa needs to nap in her crib Courtney will feel better if Pippa naps in her crib and yeah sure it would have been great if Pippa napped in her crib but she was not a crib napper. And Ardula was great, but she set up this whole, like, she worked really, really hard to get Pippa to nap in her crib. And it was like a 45 minute process sometimes to get her in the crib to sleep, like of putting her down. And then as soon as she cried, you pick her back up and you pace and you hush. And then you put her down and you pick her right back up. And you, you would just keep doing this. And then she would maybe nap for 20 or 30 minutes. Whereas if she fell asleep and I held her, she would nap for one or two hours. And if she fell asleep in her stroller, she would nap for one or two hours. She just didn't like napping in her crib. And she really didn't like being flat on her back too. So that was part of the problem. And the we have one of those rock and play, um, one of those like tilted cradles that I think actually got recalled. So God, God bless parents. Now I don't know what I would do without my rock and play. But um, she, she just didn't, you couldn't put, setting her down to nap. If she fell asleep in a certain situation and she stayed there, she was good. But the popular majority kept telling me she needs to nap in the crib. So I was like, well, like it's me against everyone else. So what am I supposed to do? But the, um, you know, I didn't keep the doula forever. And we went, we were living with my parents for a couple weeks and we moved back home and Nathan went to work. So, I mean, it was me. I was in charge. And I went to the mall one day with Pippa. And we had to race home to get her home in time to take a nap in the crib. And I just remember thinking, this is stupid. I want to go to the mall. I'm like, fuck it. And I just kept walking around the mall. And she fell asleep. And I got to go shopping. And she was asleep in there. And I think I sat down and did a little writing on a table at the mall while she was asleep. And I was like... I'm defying the popular majority because my intuition is telling me that these naps just don't work for Pippa. And the, and the, um, 
the evidence supported my intuition because like the the doula was like trying I was like this just doesn't feel right she's crying and she's like getting more tired and you know like I had her taking great naps before I was hospitalized and yes I had to hold her but once I decided like okay I'm gonna like do what Pippa needs to get her naps I just I started using the ergo baby carrier and she would nap in the in the carrier and it was great and I could take walks and she'd fall asleep in them and I'd come home and I was writing my memoir and I'd like sit down at the computer like right literally right where I am right now at my desk I would be sitting here with Pippa laying against me and she could sleep like that for three hours and I'd go pee and it was really tough trying to wipe myself with a baby asleep but I made it work and it was great and um yeah, the, you know, the popular majority was against it, but, like, I felt like such a better person. I felt more like myself when I was like, no, my intuition's telling me this isn't working. So soon after that, I started painting. I haven't actually been painting much the past couple of years. I'd like to get back into it. But during my recovery from postpartum depression, I started coloring in the hospital. I was in the hospital for four nights and we, we would get to have occupational therapy, which was basically arts and crafts. And I was so excited about arts and crafts. And the therapist let me take some like colored pencils and coloring sheets back to like our ward. And during the empty hours, I would sit and color and it was so relaxing. And Nathan went to Target and bought me paper and coloring books and crayons and it was very sweet so I was doing a lot of crayon coloring for a while but what I really wanted to do was paint and I just felt this like ache and I had wanted to paint for years and I still want to paint I gosh I gotta get back into painting I remember in law school one day just driving to an art store and walking around and looking at the paints but leaving empty-handed because I just I was like well what am I doing I'm going to law school I can't paint but I could I, you know it's a hobby but like, I felt this ache, so I finally decided to start painting, and I got a book called Brave Intuitive Painting, which was, like, really, like, the best book I needed. It's by Flora Boley. I'll put that in the show notes. And I, I mean, she just, like, wrote about intuition, and um, it was so freeing for me after all those years of being a lawyer and where everything's very, like, exact and procedural to, uh, to just be like, yeah, I'm going to put some blue on the canvas. And now I think I'm going to add orange over it. And um, it was really relaxing and it let me practice my intuition and, you know, see how happy accidents would emerge from the layering and... Um, getting that sense of like, this feels right, that doesn't feel right, I want this color. Another thing that, so I remember, I, I didn't keep the book, I should get it back. Um, one of the tricks she suggested for building your intuition, um, Flora Bully suggested taking intuitive walks, which I started doing, and I, I still walk for exercise, and I just love, like, instead of a pre-planned, I'm definitely doing this route, being like, which way should I go today? Oh, I'm gonna go right. Okay, let's go north. And now which way are we going? Oh, okay, let's go east for a bit. And oh, let's go here. And sometimes I just find like the most beautiful, you know, little street that I've never even noticed before. And um, I just like, it's stupid, but it's actually like, it seems stupid, but it's not. It's just such a great way to connect with your intuition. If you've been like me, have felt like you've been like separated or like your intuition's been obscured, buried, just buried under the crap of modern living. Then I heard, I heard this on a podcast and I, 
I know it was the um, Elise gets crafty, but I don't remember who her guest was. But the guest was talking about how she would have conversations, like written conversations with her intuition. And so I started doing that. And I, I journal and I've been journaling for years every day. But um, I started doing the intuition several years ago. And it felt really weird and uncomfortable at first. But it's actually, and now I'm, I'm good at doing it. I don't do it every day. Sometimes I go weeks or months without doing it. And I think, oh, and so what I do is I, I write, I mostly print in my journal. Um, so I'll print like something like, hey, intuition, what's up? And then I when I'm writing as my intuition, I write in cursive. And I just sort of wait. And sometimes it takes a long time for my intuition to start to speak. And But more and more, the more I do this, the faster I can kind of hear it and connect with what my intuition is like wanting me to, um, to write. And I'll write in cursive as my intuition. And I really get into that flow state. I And I really started, like now I write like, hey, what's up? And see like what maybe personal issues I need to be working on. But in the beginning, I think I used to ask more specific questions like, um, you know, like, oh, let's see, I've been the book fair chair on and off at uh, my kid's preschool. So I did it for one year and then the next year I took a break. So maybe when I was trying to decide should I quit being the book fair chair, I would have written in my journal, printed, hey, intuition, should I keep being the book fair chair? And I'd wait, and then I'd start writing in cursive. No, it's too much for you right now in this phase of your life. You really need to take a break. And um, I used to be more back and forth, like, and I'd write in print, are you sure? And in cursive, my intuition would say, yeah, like, this is just draining you and you need more time to work on your creative pursuits. And I'd say, okay, but what about if other people are mad at me and my intuition would then respond in cursive. You can't worry about what other people think or feel about this. You need to do what's best for you because that's really what's best for your family and the world. So and that's the sort of thing that I would do with my intuition. So if you're looking to build your relationship with your intuition, it's a trick that you might want to try. Um, yeah, it, it feels at first as weird and awkward as it probably sounds listening to it. But it's something I do now and... I just, I really, really love it. Um, and it's nice to just say, hey, how's it going? Because how often do you ask yourself how I am? I often get hit with big emotions. And it's like, oh, I'm anxious. Oh, shit, I'm sad. Oh, I'm feeling like frustrated or grumpy about like, you know, five months into a pandemic. But I, I often wait until those big emotions hit me. And it's nice to just be in my journal and be like, how's it going? And then my feelings, like my intuition kind of bubbles up and says, well, I'm a little melancholy about this, but I'm feeling very peaceful about this. So it's like, it's just a nice way to keep those open lines of communication. And they, it has gotten easier for me. And it got easier pretty quickly. Like it was sort of like a steep learning curve. Like the first time I was like, I feel really weird. And I'm like looking over my shoulders. Um, um, I remember doing this at like coffee shop and being like does anyone see what I'm doing like do they know I'm the freaky lady talking with my intuition and now I'm just like talking about it on a podcast like you know haters gonna hate another thing I've been doing is I started doing this about a year ago and I, I only do it very occasionally but I use the tarot 
to kind of connect with my to connect with my intuition. Um, I have let's see what deck I have. I'll put this in the show notes. I have yes, it's right here where I write the Universal Weight Tarot. It's like probably the first one that pops up on Amazon. Um, I like it. It's it doesn't feel overly masculine. I have been thinking it would be fun to get some more decks and there's a store in Pasadena that has tons of tarot decks but I I, ha I mean I just don't have tons of me time lately because hello pandemic I think they're open but I just haven't made it there maybe if my kids are ever both going back to school that would be nice because it'd be fun to have multiple tarot decks because then I could let my intuition pick the deck I need to use and then what I do is I shuffle the cards and um, then I sort of spread them out so I can see them all. And I ask myself a question and I, and I write it. I'm a writer, so you don't have to write all these things down. You could think them through or talk them out loud if you're a talker. You could do them with a friend if you're like an extrovert and you want to do this in a social way. But I'll ask a question like, um, today I, I did it for the first time in a few weeks. And I asked, um, what do I need to release? And I drew the five of pentacles. And the card showed um, two figures, an older woman and, a, and, a, and a, ma a grown male, but a little younger. And they're both dressed very poorly. And the woman's like bent over with like a ragged shawl and ripped skirt. And the man is on crutches and one of his, f one foot's in a cast. And the other foot, I can't tell if it's like a sock or it's just very mottled. And they're in the snow. And they're, and they look miserable. And they were walking past like I guess a church building and there's like a really beautiful radiant stained glass that shows the five pentacles in circles and they're sort of arranged like they're on a tree of life and it looks very beautiful and radiant so I started writing about that and I just like write what I see and what descriptions and as I wrote and was like what does this mean what do I need to release um I thought I just started thinking about like I need to release any attachment I have to suffering and thinking that I need to suffer in order to prove my worth. And, you know, I don't know what the card means. I had my tarot deck came with a little book lit and I actually did buy a couple of years ago when I first got interested in the tarot, a cool book that like describes the cards and different spreads to do and, you know, questions to ask, like, uh, you know, lay out three cards for past, present, future. But I've gotten into not using the books because I just want to know what the card means to me. I don't care what some person who's never met me says the card means. What what the card means to me, that's what I need to know. Like that's my intuition saying this card means you need to release any attachment you have to suffering for the sake of suffering. And then I wrote about that and I was like, and it like resonated with me very deeply. So this card could have brought up something else for someone. And actually for shits and giggles, let me look up the tarot. Let's see if I can find it. I've got this little shitty book. Oh, here we go. I turned right to it. The Five of Pentacles. Two mendicants in a snowstorm pass a lighted casement. A casement? I have no idea. And mendicants? There's an SAT vocabulary for you. Divinatory meanings. It foretells material trouble above all, whether in the form illustrated, that is, destitution, or otherwise. 
For some cartomancists, it is a card of love and lovers, wife, husband, friend, mistress, also concordance, affinities. These alternatives cannot be harmonized. Ha, huh, okay, yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with what I interpreted the card as meaning, but that's okay because it was just an exercise for me to connect with my intuition and to practice and to like build up my intuition because it was like, well, what does this card mean to me? And sometimes I draw a card and I ask a question, um, and and I, I tend to be pretty vague, like what do I need to work on? What do I need to release? But I'll ask a question. And the card I pulled just, I'm like, this makes no sense. This this card is, like I'll write about it for a bit. I'm like, this is, this is not the card. And then I'll pull another card and I'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, this card makes sense. So that, and again, that gives my intuition the opportunity to be like, no, this is not the card we want. This, is, this isn't speaking to us. And like, it's all just building that relationship with my intuition. So... Okay, one last trick that I have, meditation. I think meditation, I mean, I could do, there's, everyone talks about meditation on these podcasts I listen to, but um, meditation has helped me um, get clear about, you know, like what I was talking about inner voice at the beginning and how there's, there's a lot of inner chatter, chatter, the monkey mind, and it's not always me, like there's just a lot of thoughts that pop up. Uh, you know, sometimes it comes from like an instinct. Sometimes it comes from just, you know, like like your, your brain is just busy. And by meditating, I've been able to create a sense of distance or like a, a buffer between me and my thoughts. And when you meditate, you can, when I'm, when I'm meditating, sometimes I find myself observing my thoughts and I am the observer. I am not my thoughts. I'm not even my mind. I'm the essence within me that is observing all those thoughts. And so by meditating, you know, when I started meditating, I thought the whole point was to be very quiet and to just never think a single thought for like as long as possible. And now I see, no, the damn thoughts are going to just keep popping in my head. And if I go two breaths without a thought, I'm impressed. But it's the coming, it's the observing that these are thoughts or observing that there's feelings, observing that there's just like sensations and then coming back to my core, coming just back and being like, I'm the observer. That has helped me like be able to hone in on when an inner voice is my intuition and when it's coming from my gut and when it's coming from my head and it's more like maybe an authority figure that I've just imagined or, you know, that someone, imaginary figure sitting in judgment. Maybe it's just like, you know, beliefs or thoughts that I've internalized just by living in this, you know, culture that we have with, you know, being exposed to different things on TV and magazines and billboards and going to a store and just talking to your friends. Like there's just like we're bombarded with information and your mind is always working, you know, and processing that and, um, it just has helped me see, here's my mind, and here's my gut and my intuition. So meditation has helped me um, build that relationship. And, you know, none of these ideas might work for you. Or, you know, maybe you would want to try intuitive dancing, just listening to music and kind of dancing however you want, doing that by yourself. Um, you know, painting might sound interesting, but if that's too big a production, just doodle. Um, and I know for me that, like, I don't know if it's the next frontier, but I would like to get to a point where I eat intuitively, where 
I eat what my body needs when I need it, and I eat what I want to. Like sometimes what I need is my morning smoothie with spinach and flax seeds and you know healthy stuff. And sometimes what I need is a s'more, like I just had this afternoon. Sometimes I need um, a kale salad, and sometimes I need pizza. And it's just um, knowing how much to eat. Um, and I'm not, and I've, I've thought about this, and I was listening to some other podcasts about intuitive eating, and my intuition told me, you're not ready for intuitive eating. I'm using the new map, and I'm learning a lot about bad habits that I have. So it's a weird, like, my intuition saying, this is not something we're doing intuition with yet. Um, of course, maybe that's just my head messing with me, and I'm just scared of the idea of intuitive eating, and I'm scared of trusting myself to know how much to eat and when to stop eating and all that stuff. But so that's, that's a frontier that I'm working on. And, um, yeah, I just love my intuition and it feels really, it feels really good to even just talk about this because it's not something that, um, we ever talked about at school. I mean, you don't talk about intuition in law school. Lawyers are not talking about like, my intuition is that we should file this. Like, no, it's all just, logic and reason and it's nice to just um work on like my feminine qualities and um that you know i could i could go on and on but my voice is tired so i think we will wrap this up here this is you know intuition is just another fun adventure and intuitive eating as i work my way towards that that will be another fun adventure and um I will talk in future episodes about like some books I've read about like feminine qualities and you know, there's a lot of, um, Oh my gosh, I can't even, I should not even start to get into this at more minute 45 of the podcast. There's when I use the word feminine and feminine qualities, I don't want to be like, you know, boys are this way and girls are this way. But I do think that there are, cause I think men can have feminine qualities and women can have masculine qualities. And maybe there's a better word for all of this that we're like our society is like working towards. Um, but there, there have been a lot of qualities labeled as feminine and masculine. So anyway, I'm apologizing for something I don't need to apologize for. (sighs) All right. I hope you are staying sane. If you're listening to this during the pandemic and if you were listening to this after the pandemic, you know, God, please like go do something without a face mask for me. Um, yeah, cause face masks, there, it's, it's been like a hundred degrees in Pasadena. Face masks are not fun. Like I, we went for one thing to pick up stuff for Pippa school and oh my God, I was like, my, it was like sweat against my face right away. All right. Stay sane everyone and have lots of fun adventures. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Adventures with My 40s. You can reach me through my website, CourtneyHenningNovak.com, or on Instagram at Courtney.Novak. If you're enjoying the show, subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. Have a great and wonderful week.